we are doing a series on prayer. We saw J Jacob's prayer, and then we saw Abraham's prayer. Today we will see Moses' prayer. Moses prays, God, show me your glory. And God says, you know, he replies, Moses, I would like to show you my glory, but I can't. Because for no one may see me and live. So let us briefly look at the context. Uh, you know, this, this passage we can read in Exodus chapter 32. You know, God is disclosing his plan for a tabernacle to Moses on the top of the mountain. You know, the, basically the purpose of a tabernacle is God can come and dwell amongst them. His presence will be there so that these people can have an intimate relationship with God. His presence is there just with them. And these people will learn to make God as the center of their lives. As this conversation is taking place between God and Moses on the top of the mountain, at the bottom of the mountain, the Israelites are pestering Aaron to make them a God for them who will go before them. They readily give their earrings to Aaron and Aaron was very quick to cast it in the shape of a calf. As the Israelites were dancing in front of the calf, the Lord says to Moses, these people are stiff-necked and they deserve to be destroyed. You know, when God says they are stiff-necked, you know, he, he means to say that there is a wide incompatibility between me and people. That's what God means when he says stiff-necked. He says, you know, it's not that God wants to destroy. It is, in other words, I'm so happy, I can't live amongst these people. It's like, you know, fire and water. You have a huge fire and you have a bucket of water. So what will happen if you take a bucket of water and you try to douse that huge fire? The water will just vaporize in no time. So God says, my holiness is like that. When we are talking about God's holiness, it is like huge fire. And when we are talking about her holiness, it's like just a bucket of water. And that's why we are not, we cannot approach God directly. We need a mediator. And that's what's meant here when God says, you know, they are stiff-necked people and they need to be destroyed. And Moses pleads for mercy on behalf of the Israelites and the Lord relents. Moses comes down from the mountain and when he sees the calf and the dancing party that's going on, his anger burns and he throws 
the tablets out of his hands. And those tablets were broken into pieces. You know, if you read the story, you'll find that the, the Levites killed 3,000 people. The next day, Moses goes back to the Lord and asks for forgiveness. And we pick up the story from there. Exodus 32, 33, and 34 says, The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I'll blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my anger will, my angel will go before you. Then we come to the next part. The, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Zebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. You know, what do we find in this passage? You know, here in the passage, we have a dream religion. Why do I say a dream religion? People are looking for a dream religion because the Lord says, I will bless you. The Lord says, I will bless you. Don't you think people of the world are looking for a religion like this? Where they'll be blessed. And at times, Christians too tend to think like this. A God who gives me everything I ask for. A God who gives me a visa to America. A God who gives me a promotion every six months. A God who keeps me away from all diseases. A God who keeps me safe even when I drive in the opposite direction. A God who gives me a handsome young man as my husband. A God who gives me a pretty girl as my wife. A God who gives me power, authority over other people. A God who gives me success in all that I do. A God who keeps me and my family free from my struggles, challenges, and difficulties. A God approves, who approves all I do. What's wrong with all these things? Are these not good things? You know, God says, I will give you economic power. That's what he says in this passage. You know, I'll give you the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will make you the richest person. You will not lack anything. You know, even when there is a famine, your land will produce gold. That's the kind of land I will give you. 
I will give you all the material blessings you want. I'll give you property, positions, prosperity, and wealth. That's what this passage says. Further, not only I'll give you economic power, I will give you political power. You know, you would have heard, you will be head and not tail. Not only political power, I'll give you military power. You know, your enemy's property will become your property. Sometimes people claim it also. How this will happen? I will send an angel before you and he will drive out all your enemies. The angel will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Zebuzites. In the present day language, it means you, are, you will be the superpower. No nation will be able to stand against you. What would have been your response to this kind of offer? I would have said, Lord, it doesn't matter whether you come or you send an angel. So long as you bless me, that's enough. But Moses is insisting, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So Moses says, show me your glory. The Lord says, I will bless you. Moses says, show me your glory. Exodus 33, 12 to 17, we find that Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Had it been me, we will not have this passage because I would have said, you send me angel, that's enough. But Moses is saying, show me your glory. Moses is basically telling God, oh God, keep all this blessing to yourself. That's what Moses is telling. Keep all your material blessings. Keep all that you know, political power that you want to give. Keep all that military power you want to give. You know, I don't want to be head. You keep everything with you. I don't want enemy property. Keep all that with you. Are they not good? 
success, favor, prosperity, promotions, are they not good? Then why does Moses pray like this? Show me your glory. You know, the answer is in verses 15 to 15 and 16, we find that answer. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other pe people on the face of the earth? What else? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. What does this mean? You know, Moses is telling that his identity is not in property, not in positions, not in power. Moses is telling his identity is not based on these things. These are not my identity markers. You know, people in the world also have money. People in the world also have material blessings. People in the world also have a perfect marriage. People have a successful career. People have positions, achievements, accomplishments, good looking. People of the world have all these things. Moses is telling, I don't want to be identified by these things. I want to be identified by your presence. This property, position, money, wealth, look, perfect marriage. I don't want to be identified by these things, but I want to be identified by your presence. You know, if you have noticed carefully, you know, people like Abraham, Jacob, Moses, and others in the Bible, they always asked for big things from God. If God says, I will give you this, they will say, give me more. They will never say, okay, God. They will always ask for more. You know, when the Lord says, my presence will go with you, Moses replies, now show me your glory. You know, the Hebrew word for glory is kabot, uh, which means you know we can say it is mightiness we can say reality we can say significance we can say weight c.s lewis has written a book the weight of glory so but we can understand uh, the closest english word probably we can say matter matter uh, you know there are different forms of glory now, human beings cannot live without glory. Listen to this carefully. Human beings cannot live without glory. It may be political glory. They need to have some power. People need to have some authority. It may be professional glory. You know, people, if they come in your company and they say, oh my goodness, there's no one like you. You know, the thing that you have produced, Nobody can do that. I have seen your CV. 
nobody has a CV like this. Why don't you come and join us? Head this company. You know, that is professional glory, artistic glory, musicians and artists. Nobody can sing like you. What happens? When you stand first in the school or in the college exam and your picture is put there, you feel, you feel good about it. You feel, I really matter. I matter. While this is important, they are not the ultimate. We need to realize. While this glory is important, it is not the ultimate. Why is it important? You know, when people sometimes, like I said, political glory, professional glory, artistic glory, on the other hand, people also try to seek glory in their relationships. You know, they need to hear somebody say, I love you. They need to hear people say, hey, you're great. They need people to notice their absence. And if it is not there, they say, nothing I do matters. Have you heard that word? Nothing. Thing I do matters. Nobody cares for me. Nobody even knows whether I live or not. Have you heard these words? These are real words. These are real words. When people are uttering these words, remember, they are on the verge of committing suicide. They have lost their identity. When these words, nobody notices me, nobody cares for me, nobody knows whether I live or not. That's coming from the depth of their being. You know, and you can, you can almost take it for granted. They need help. They need help. But Moses knows all sources of glory apart from God fades. Moses knows that. That's why the word of God teaches us. They not only fade, but they also fades us. How? You know, I can give different kinds of example, but I think one example is enough. You know, if our glory is based on success, professional glory. I have to establish myself in my job. You know, I should make a mark, leave a mark in this place. What happens? When I have the tendency, I overwork. I don't care for my family. I don't care for my wife. I don't care for my children. All that matters is my success. I achieve in that place. As I start overworking, what happens? All my relationships on the other side, they're breaking. They're breaking. Slowly, they're breaking. Ultimately, my health also breaks down. 
This is the reason Moses wants to see God's glory. All other glory will fade. So Moses' identity, Moses wants his identity to be in God, not in these things. So in Exodus 33, 18 to 20, and 34, 5 to 8, then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Now, how do we define glory? You know, John Piper defines glory as the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. Have you realized when we talk about all the other attributes of God, they are a means to end. You know, when we say, when we see God's love, it implies forgiveness and we need it because we are guilty. When we see God's power, it implies strength and we need it because we are weak. When we see God's wisdom, it implies counsel and we need it because we are confused. But when we say God is beautiful, it has no practical utility. All other attributes of God, you know, when you say, you know, I, I know I need it. I'm making use of God. When you say God is beautiful, it has no practical utility. Moses is saying, I don't want anything from you. I just want to see your beauty and be satisfied in you, for you, for who you are. I just 
when you're talking that, oh God, you're awesome, you're beautiful, you're beyond description. And if you, if you really mean it, what we mean is, oh God, this alone is enough for me. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied in you. You see, the, all other attributes, we need it. God's love, power. You know, warrior God, he has to fight for us. Healer, he has to heal us. When you say God is beautiful, Moses has come to that place and he says, God, I just want your glory. I just want to see your beauty. I just want, I just don't want anything from you, but I want you and I want to be satisfied in you and you alone, not in the things of the world. Now, when God, when we approach God like that, failures in this world will not break us. We will not give our lives, you know, to keep this worldly glory. Because we have God's glory. We have tasted his beauty. Now the problem with beauty is, how do you define beauty? Now people might say the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. But now, how do you define beauty? We use these words, Lord, you're beautiful beyond comprehension. But how do you define beauty? The philosophers, they help us. They say if you have an experience of beauty of something, it has two aspects. The first aspect is, you know, it gives you positive sense of the meaningfulness of your existence. It is the beauty of God which gives the meaningfulness of our existence. When we make all other things as our identity markers, they don't define the meaning of our existence. They will fail us. So it is God's beauty, infinite beauty. They are not even talking about God's beauty. They are just defining beauty. So if you imagine, if it's infinite beauty, then what you get is the infinite worth of your very self. You, we run after all these things. They can never, never satisfy us. They can never give us the significance, the meaning, the purpose of our life. It is the infinite beauty of God which gives us that infinite meaning of our very existence. The second aspect is it gives you pleasure. When you're close to infinite beauty, it satisfies your soul and it pushes you out of yourself and you're no longer absorbed with your problems you realize 
you are a person of infinite worth. Have we approached God like this? Have we approached God like this? The, the closest uh, illustration that I can give is, you know, let's just imagine, uh, this is a real story, so I can, I can talk about this. Okay, uh, Young people, they were engaged and they were about to get married. And just before marriage, the girl was diagnosed with cancer, a serious type of cancer. Now, if the boy and the family, they came to know, if they had said, see, now you have cancer, it's no use going ahead with this marriage. We'll just call this off. What you would say? What that girl would say? You didn't love me for who I am. But the good news is they went ahead with the marriage and immediately after the marriage, we were praying for this couple. Uh, the, the very next day after the marriage, the boy brought the girl to CMC Velour. Now, this is the way we need to approach God not because we get something from him. And too often, when we think of God, we always, we want that glory, the property, positions, name for myself. The earthly glory is what I want from God. But Moses is teaching us, pray for heavenly glory. A glory that will not fade. A glory that will give you infinite worth. When all other glories fail in this world, still you will not be shaken because you have that infinite value. You have received it from God. But we can go on and on. Moses was not able to see God's full glory. You all know that story. He was able to see only God's back and not his face. But his experience was so great, the Bible says Moses just bowed down and worshipped God. He didn't see the face of God. He just saw the back of God, the goodness of God. And he just bowed down and worshipped God. God says, I will bless you. Moses says, show me your glory. And finally, how can we see God's glory? Moses was not able to see the face of God. But we can see the face of God in Jesus Christ. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You know, I was telling that God was discussing with Moses the plan for a tabernacle so that he could come and dwell amongst his people. And the word, the Greek word that is used here is tabernacle, that he, he came and tabernacled amongst us. In fact, John is having Exodus chapter 33 and 34 in mind when he's writing this chapter. Remember, you know, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, you know, tabernacled amongst us. That was God's plan. And God was not able to show his face to Moses, but he was prepared to show his face to us. What John, John is telling us here is that when, son, when the son, Jesus Christ, came into the world, those who had eyes to see, they saw divine glory. Because the verse says, we have seen his glory. It is not all have seen his glory. Those who had eyes to see that glory, they saw him. And he says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Many did not see it. This is why Jesus said, you know, they will be seeing yet they do not see. They will be seeing, yet they do not see. But those who have the eyes to see, they saw the glory of the sun, and it was full of grace and truth. It is at the cross, each one of us can see how immeasurably we are loved. How immeasurably we are treasured. It is only at the cross. If we don't understand the cross, we don't understand our salvation. We don't understand the glory of God. If he says that God loves the whole world, it's a nice statement, but it does not transform us. It's a generic statement. God loves the whole world. It, it doesn't have power to change us from within. But when you realize that this God died only for me, for my sin, then you're able to see the glory of God. When you are able to internalize the gospel, we are all good. We sometimes we try to preach the gospel to the world. It's good. But the better thing is to internalize the gospel and understand what Jesus has done for us. And we say, Lord, keep all these blessings to yourself. All I want is your face. My identity does not come because of what these people say. Not even what these family members say, 
My identity comes because of what you did for me. I have been ransomed. I have been picked up from that miry clay. My identity comes from you and you alone. And when you realize God loves you infinitely, God values you infinitely, you will stop running after people, position, power. You will not allow these things to take control of your life. They are attractive, but they are destructive. It is God's glory which gives us that infinite worth. Each one of us, you know, we are infinitely valuable. Eternally, we are precious. Not only in this world, in the world to come, we are precious. Not because of what we do in this world. You see, my doing doesn't give me my worth. It is because of what Jesus has done for me. That gives me worth. And once I understand that, now I know how to live in this world, how to deal with the glories of the world. I will not allow them to take control of me. I don't need people's approval to feel good about myself because my God has already said, you are precious, you are loved, you are treasured. I'm not looking for somebody to say, oh, there's no one like you. It all fades into insignificance because I know who has told me I'm precious. I know this God who died for me on the cross. Second Corinthians chapter 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Basically it is, you know, how often you sit in front of this cross. I'm not talking about a literary cross. How often you bring this cross to your mind? How often? How often you see things of the world with cross, what Jesus has done for you? How valuable these things are. And as you keep meditating on what Jesus has done for you and who you are, that unknowingly, slowly, progressively transforms you into the image of God. You know, we become like what we, what we admire the most. We become on our own. You know, sometimes people keep watching a video a hundred times and they keep almost talking like them only. They become another cartoon. Okay, it's what we admire the most. If Jesus, if we admire him the most, and if we keep thinking Jesus, if our minds are filled, it is a battle. Those who live according to the flesh, their minds are filled with the things of the world. 
those who live in accordance with the Spirit, their minds are filled with things of the Spirit. And Moses had that hunger to see God's glory and he couldn't see God's face. He was only able to see partial glory, the back of God. But you and I can see God's face. Do we have that hunger? Do we have that hunger? I want to see your glory. You know, I want to end this sermon with a song. I want all of you to follow the lyrics carefully. You know, you will find our beloved Jesus. We just want to see you in the glory of your light. Earthly things, they don't matter. They just fade and shatter when we are touched by 